does anybody know what what it means like to be spoiled? You know, y'all ever known any spoiled children? Did anybody raise a spoiled child? Or were you raised as a spoiled child and uh, maybe you haven't got over it yet and your spouse or your best friends are all having to deal with it? I see a lot of smiling. I don't know if, I, if it's the spoiled ones smiling at me or the ones who haven't put up with them that are smiling at me. But yeah, we are. I want you to do me a favor. If you're sitting close to somebody, turn to them and say, you are stinking blessed. Now make sure you say that fourth word. In the, uh, in the first service, we had some people who were skipping the fourth word. They were just telling people you were stinking. You know, we don't want that, Okay. All right, so you are stinking blessed. I mean, that, that, is the, that, that is the theme of this whole sermon series. But there is a reason for it. There's purpose in it, okay? So, and I don't always do this, but I really want to do this today. I want to, I want to review with you a little bit, okay? Because these are important things. You know, and I, we don't get to preach on uh, being blessed and, and, and blessing others very often. So I want to make sure we get this. So Malachi chapter 3, verse, 11, uh, verse 10 is where we began. Bring the full tenth, the tithe, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. So the first blessing was, God said, bring the tithe into my house so there will be food in my house. And because people are givers, there's food in the house today. We're, we're being blessed today. We are receiving today. Our kids are receiving today. First-time attenders that were here in the early service and, and uh, some of this service, that they're being blessed today because someone is given. There is food in the house because somebody has partnered with God. The second blessing is, is that God said, if you'll par partner with me, then I can open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. God is, he is a more than enough God. He's not like that old song. He's not like that old song that says he may not come when you call him, he'll come on time. No, he's already there. He's already there and he's already provided. It's, it's, it's already taken care of. That's, that's the God we serve. He is a God that is more than enough and he's just looking for somebody to partner with so he can prove to you. That's what he said in that verse. Prove, I want you to prove me that I am the God that is more than enough if you'll just partner with me, okay? And so now today... We're going to do blessing three and four, spend most of our time on blessing three and hit blessing four a little bit at the end. But blessing three is the protection of your harvest. Okay, now, I think some of you probably may be checking out mentally right here right now because you're thinking, well, I'm not a farmer, so uh, he's not preaching to me. No, there, this, this is like spiritually speaking, okay? So don't check out on me. We, we need to talk a little bit about this harvest thing because I think we, we confuse the word harvest and fruit. We don't understand what it really means, Okay. So let's dig here. Let's go into verse 11, uh, the next verse right after that one we just read a moment ago. Let's read right here and, and see a little bit of what we're talking about. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. This is God speaking. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast its fruit before the time in the field, saith Jehovah of hosts. Okay? So first word I want to point out to you. I got four words I want to point out to you here. The first one is fruits. Again, we sometimes don't get this. We, we start thinking harvest, and we think about, okay, harvest. What does harvest mean? So let's, let me talk to you a little bit about what fruits are. Your fruits, the fruits of your ground. Okay, fruits, uh, and I think we confuse this a little bit. I was reading uh, the other day, I, I, I was just researching some things. You know what people think of, of this and that, you know, fruits, the fruits of your labor and all of that. And, and, and I ran across a site where, where you know, somebody asked the question, what are the fruits of your labor? And, you know, you ever been on one of those and, and then everybody answers and you're supposed to vote for the best answer? You know, so I was on this, you know, on one of those 
Q&A kind of sites, and, and, and I, I kind of scrolled on down just to see what everybody thought it was, because this was not, a, it was not a church site, not a Christian site, so just, just hear what everybody thought. And there was, a, there was an answer way on down the list that, that really caught my eye, caught my attention, and, and I, I, just, I just began thinking about that. So over the last few days, I, I've kind of been thinking about that for this one point here about the fruits. As he said, you know, if you were to have homework, you know, Someone to give you homework. Your teacher gives you homework. And your homework was to draw a picture. Well, the first thing I'm thinking is like, now how old is this person answering this that his homework is to draw a picture? But uh, I guess he's trying to keep it elementary for us. He says, if, if your homework is to draw a picture, you go home and you draw the picture. The picture is your product. And that got me to thinking is, yeah, we sometimes confuse product and fruit. He said, the picture is your, is your product. That's the product. But your fruit is what you get from that product. Because when you turn the picture in, you turn your homework in tomorrow, you're going to get a grade, you know, and you're getting education, and you're going to eventually, hopefully, one day graduate, right? And so those are all the blessings. And so that got me to thinking is how, how we confuse product and fruit like this. You know, if you have a job, the product of your job is a paycheck because most of you aren't farmers like, you know, and having, having a harvest like that. So the product of, of you working all week is a paycheck, but that's not your fruit. Your fruit are the blessings that come as a result of that paycheck. And sometimes we confuse these, you know, and, and, and sometimes we even make things like, you know, maybe even, you know, the toys that we have, the big boy toys and all that stuff, you know, that we have and we buy and everything. Even that a lot of times, that's not really the fruit. I mean, you know, you buy, you buy a, a big boat for your family. The, the, the boat isn't the fruit. The boat's the product. It's the family time on the boat that's the fruit. It, it's, it's like this, you know, thinking a little deeper, you know, using that guy's analogy there, thinking a little deeper. If you're a dad, you know, if your labor in this life is to be a dad and to be the best dad you can be, then one of the products of being a dad is a house. You're going to provide a house for your family. But that's the product. The blessing, the fruit that comes from that is the home that is made in that house and the family that is raised there and the connections that happen there and these kids that you raise to also be good dads and moms that they then provide for everything else. And so I think a lot of times we, we confuse products and fruit and, and sometimes we, we, we get excited about the products and we're missing the whole point here is the fruit. Okay, so, so uh, th this is the first thing I want you to do this morning is I want you to kind of think about what the fruits are in your life. What are the fruits, that, the ones that you go for? Because anything that, that you labor for is a fruit, okay? Now, and you aren't laboring just to get the money. You're laboring to get the money to do something. So what are the fruits in your particular life, okay? Second word I want to point out here is devour. Now, here, the, the Israelites, they were in a very agricultural society. I mean, uh, everybody knew about planting, uh, you know, sowing and reaping. They knew about putting seed in the ground and getting a harvest. They knew about those things. So, so when God said this to them, they got it. And, and they probably thought, when they saw devour, they heard this word from God. They probably thought of the locusts because uh, th that's the big devourer, you know, in, in their times. In Joel chapter one, I believe it's verse four, God talks about the, uh, he actually talks about locusts. And in chapter two, verse 25 of Joel, and actually, incidentally, those uh, two verses are on the Sunday's page. So if you want to read this, 
you go there, click, and take, take you right to it, is, is God speaks of locusts specifically. He, in, in chapter 1, he says the locusts come and they eat, and then what they don't eat, another set of locusts comes in and eats, and then another set, and, and just keep coming back. And then in chapter 2, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replenish, I'm going to restore what the locusts have eaten and what this locust have eaten and those locusts have eaten, okay? And so the Israelites are probably relating that to the same thing. But, you know, I really like the fact that God didn't use the he could have said He could have said locusts to the Israelites, because that would have fit for them, but it wouldn't have fit for me, you know, even though I, I realize even that is, can be some, some, some symbolism there. But it's like God said, no, I want you to make, it's like I'm thinking God's saying, I want to make sure you get this, that this is symbolism. It's not just locusts that devour your fruit and the fruit of your ground. But, and that is actually Hebrew word for devour is eater. Okay, so God's talking about the things that eat up your fruit. Now, what, what's your fruit? What's the stuff that you're going after? He, and now God is saying, I want to rebuke the thing that is devouring that fruit. So what is the devourer of your fruit? For the Israelites, it was locusts. You probably haven't had any problems with locusts, have you? Anybody? Nobody? We don't have problems with locusts, do we? But what do we have? We have problems with other things in our life. Here, here's, here's maybe a good way to focus on this, is that, is that you have circumstances, you have battles, you have situations in your life, and, and, and you, know, you, you begin to make some progress, and then all of a sudden another attack comes, Right? And, and then, you, oh no, another attack comes and, and starts eating up and devouring more of your fruit. And, and so you, you battle through that and you get, get some relief, you get some space, and then another attack comes. And you, you do it again and another attack, and it comes over and over and over. And think back now to Joel chapter 1, where, where God said the locust comes in, and then the, the, another type of locust comes in, and then another type of locust comes in. And, and in the same way, I think that's a good way for you to kind of think about the thing that devours most of your fruit. It's probably one of those things that just keeps coming and just keeps coming and you can't shake loose of it and you can't get free. And you know what? God says, whatever that is in your life, I want to rebuke that from eating all of the fruit that is in your, that, you, that you've been praying for to come in your life. I, I want to re rebuke that thing. So, so you need to kind of name that. I mean, you need to get, so that you can pray better, not just to pray, God, I need this, but you need to name that. What are the fruits in your life that you're asking, you're seeking God for, and what are the devourers that keep keeping you from getting to that place, that, that keep you from, from receiving that? You, you need to tag those things, name those things, so, so, so you can get this next step of what God is going to say. So what's the fruit? What's the devourer? Because the next point I wanted you, the next word in this verse I wanted you to see is the word rebuke. Okay. Now I know that's right there at the very beginning of the verse, but I wanted you to think about the fruit, what it is in your life. And I want you to think about the devourers, what they are in your life before you hear this is that God says, I will rebuke the devourers in your garden. I'll rebuke the devourers in your field, in your life, wherever it is that you're working, in your job or your relationships or whatever it is that you're working on, I will rebuke those things from devouring and eating up your fruit. But here's one of the problems in our culture today, and even in the church, even among Christians, is we really don't want God messing with our money, right? We really don't want God telling us, we don't really like that verse 10 where it starts out, bring the tithe into my house. We don't really like that. We don't like God saying that. You know, there's a serve project back there, new one that I'm going to tell you about. At the end of this message, I'm going to tell you something about a little serve project we kicked off last week. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you a little something. And you know what? I think some of you are saying, oh, no, they're going to, they're going to tell me I need to give some money. And, and I think what some of us do is we like, nah, 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 nah. I don't want to listen to this. Nah, 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 nah. I don't want to hear, right? I, I, maybe we don't stick our fingers in our ears. Maybe we don't say it out loud. But I think that's what we do a lot of times spiritually. Come on, say amen or oh me or something, right? Is that we just kind of don't want to hear God when he wants to talk to us about money. Okay, so, so when we do that, you know what we're doing? We're keeping God out of our garden, Imagine if you went home today. Say you've got a garden in your, you know, in your yard. I hope you covered it up last week. You didn't get a frost on it, or last night you didn't get a frost on it, right? But if you were, if you went home today and you found a blight or you found some kind of an animal or something in your garden, you know, you might pick up the phone and call the agricultural department. That's the kind of thing, you know, we, we ministered in Arkansas for a while. That's the kind of thing a lot of people in Arkansas would do is they would pick up the phone, they would call the agricultural department and say, hey, I've got a problem in, in my garden. I need you to come look at this. And the agricultural department, they would show up. They would come and they would want to go out and diagnose and, and, and figure out a remedy for whatever it is was going wrong with the garden. But imagine the guy shows up at your house from the agricultural department and, and, and as he's stepping on the property, he says, oh, wait, right there. I want you to help me from there. I don't want you in my garden. How's he going to help you from, you know, from standing outside and just looking, you know, over there? Well, yeah, I see a garden over there. He's got to be in the garden to help. But that's exactly what we do with God when we tell God, no, I don't want you to be involved in my financial affairs and in my business that way. We're doing the same thing with God as we're telling him, no, 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 we don't want you in that. So God isn't in the garden to be able to rebuke the garden. That's why this all begins in, in verse 10, bring the gifts, bring the tithes into, the, into my house so that I'm in your garden. We're partnering together. Now I'm part of your garden. I'm not just an outsider. God doesn't want to be an outsider in your life. He wants to partner with you. And, and, and if you will partner with him and open, open yourself up to say, yeah, God, I want you to show me and invite him in the, then he he can rebuke the devourer. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to rebuke the things that are destroying the crops, the fruit, the harvest that you need in your life. The things that you're praying for, the things that you want, the things that you're asking for. He wants to do that. And he's done it over and over and over. The last word here that I want to point out to you is cast. Uh, that, that your fruit will not cast down to the ground or be cast or cast itself down or fall from the, the vine before it's time. And, and, and the Hebrew word there, uh, it means it, it means bereave, uh, like to be bereaved. You know, if if you lose a loved one, most of you've lost a loved one, someone close to you. If you lose a loved one, then you you have been bereaved of that person. You you know, there's bereavement that has happened. You have been, you've lost them, or, or or they've died, or they've they've been separated from you for some reason. That that's what bereavement and and this word means. And it also means miscarry to miscarry. And you think about all the connotations with that. And if you relate that to, to, uh, to your life, to our lives and our situations, think about uh, you know, a salesman that, that has, a, has been working hard on, on a, a sale you know, and he's worked hard to, to get a client or get a customer and he's almost there and at the last minute, something just falls apart. Maybe the boss's nephew called, you know, and, and, and made the sale instead of you or whatever and it all falls apart. It's like a miscarry. It was like, a bereavement. It's like losing something that you had worked for. Maybe in the same way for some of you, it's relationships. 
Maybe that you've worked hard on a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's a, a romantic relationship or maybe it's a relationship in the family. And you've worked hard on it and you've worked hard on it and you've worked hard on it. But it seems like every time you get almost to the place that you pull this thing together and, and you, know, you, you, you make amends or, or maybe even you make, it, it falls apart. Maybe for some of you, it's even divorce. It's gone that far. It's, it's that you've gotten married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced. Or maybe you don't go all the way to marriage with it. Maybe it falls apart before you even get down the aisle or whatever. But this is what God is saying is, I, I want to do this for you, is, is the things that keep falling apart in your life, the, the, the blessings that almost get there, that you can see, that you can smell, that you can taste, but you just can't quite get in your hands and they start falling apart. God says, I want to rebuke the devourer that that quits happening and that your fruit doesn't keep falling from the tree or from the vine so quickly. So to, to, to kind of explain this a little bit. The next slide over kind of, kind of says this in a little different way, is your fruit will not fall prematurely to the ground. That's, that's blessing number three, that he will rebuke the devourer and your fr- fruit will not fall prematurely to the ground. And I think this is, you know, this is one of the blessings that I think it's hardest for us to see in our life. It's the one we have to look back at and, 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 and realize. You know, let me, let me give you an example right here. Uh, 14 years ago, in uh, about 2002, I bought a 1994 Isuzu Trooper for $4,500, and it's still running. Pastor got his money out of the Mighty Trooper, didn't he? Yeah, and, and a couple of years ago, yeah, the Mighty Trooper, that's what we've kind of begun calling it at my house, you know, the Mighty Trooper. And a couple of years ago, I started talking about selling it because, you, know, you know, things are breaking on it, you know, all the, it's got power windows, but some of the buttons don't work anymore. And I, I, thought, I thought two of my grandkids were going to cry that I was going to sell the Mighty Trooper. And we weren't going to be able, and we don't go like mud, mud, mud riding, okay? We've been down some, some, some bumpy dirt roads, okay? But they think it's awesome, you know? And, they were, and so, you know, what happened is all of a sudden now my price I was going to sell it for went up here. You know, it's like, yeah, this is pretty nice. And incidentally, I always like to rub it in, you know, to those people who drive the pseudo SUVs, you know, not the real ones that, you know, I got a real one, you know, it's a five-speed stick in the floor, manual transmission, you know what I'm talking about, and real four-wheel drive, you know, uh, you know that you really, uh, geared really low so you can really get out and you can ride them, and it's, it's, it's one of those. And, and, and it, this thing now, it was, it was a 94 then, this thing is 22 years old. You know, they got it, and it doesn't have that many miles on it, but I've, I've driven it all over Arkansas, I've driven it all over Texas, uh, you know, and, 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 and God is blessed. And you know, you look at that and you say, wow, that, that's, that's pretty cool blessing. It's more than a cool blessing. That's an awesome thing. You know what that is? That is my fruit not falling prematurely to the ground. You know, when, when we moved to, to Chicago, right before we moved, we bought a, a, a 2000, we moved in, uh, in the year 2000, we bought a 2000 Honda Odyssey. And, uh, and, and, and we only had it 10 years, which is not a long, long, long time. But when it finally died on us, it had 297,000 miles on it. And, and you know what? We drove that thing back and forth to Chicago, all over Chicagoland and Wisconsin. And, and, and you know, we, we drove it up, even up into the upper peninsula of Michigan, you know, where, where we were serving and ministering up there. And, and you say, wow, that's pretty cool. That, no, that's more than cool. I don't, I don't know if you're getting it or not. 
We moved to Chicago. There were times that my wife and my two kids had to load up in that van to come home to see family or come home for something. And so, you know what? I was able to, to, say, you know, to breathe a little bit and have some peace and to know that they were going to be okay driving back and forth. And that van took them. And we drove it all over Arkansas and all over Texas like we did with the trooper as well. That is more than just a cool thing. That's an awesome thing. That's an amazing thing. And, and I was asking Bradley the other day, and, and he's still driving his Honda Accord that has 380,000 miles on it. You know, I don't, I, I don't know, but I don't know what you call that. But I'll tell you what I call it. I call it our fruit is not falling from the fine before it's time. And, and there was a time, you go back to right before that, that van went out, and it actually was still running. It's just the transmission had some problems. We just chose to, to uh, trade it instead of put a new transmission in it. Uh, but, but if you go back to that time, Time, there were only three of us uh, on staff. There were only three staff members at 2911, Jamie and Kristen and myself. And, and I added up this week, I went back and, and I asked them and got the mileage together and added it up, you know, because I, I knew it was high and I wanted, I wanted to know what it was and added up. And I, and, and I messed this up for everybody in the first service because as an accountant, I was counting thousands and I wasn't actually counting ones. Okay. So I, I kind of blew this where, right. So let me, let me make sure you get it here. Okay. Is, is that, all the three staff members, our families, our cars, the mileage on our cars was 1,100 thousands. Uh, yeah, I didn't say the thousands, and that kind of kind of confused everybody. Do you know what that is? That was it was actually 1,190. It, thousands, which is 1.19 million miles we had on cars, just the staff at 2911. You know what? I don't know, I don't know what you call that, but I call that our fruit not falling early to the ground prematurely before it's supposed to. That's an, and, and some of you, Regina, at the end of the service last week, she was, she was telling us about uh, how that they had looked back. And, and listen, I don't do that, very, but I've got confidence. I've known her a while, okay? And, and I, I let her actually have a microphone and and, and tell that she was talking about how they were looking back over, over previous years and they saw that time that, and, and they saw how God just took care of them and provided to that. We, we need to do this. We need to back up. We need to stop. We need to look around and realize, you know, when we moved back from Texas here to Mount Olive, we moved to Mount Olive to be back. Jefferson County is our home. We moved back to, to Jefferson County, moved back to, to start new ministry. Ten years ago, we bought a 15-year-old house. Do you know what you get with a 15-year-old house? You get a 15-year-old roof. You get a 15-year-old water heater. You get 15-year-old appliances. You get 15-year-old air conditioners. And this house had two of them. And you know what happens in a few years? You start replacing things because they, you, you started out with 15 years, years old, you know? And, and four years later, uh, 19 years in, is uh, the roof was still in good shape, but we lost some singles. So we replaced it. But the roof was still in good shape. It would have lasted several more years. And, and that same year, we also had to replace one of the air conditioners. I searched, I searched, I shopped, did all my... The best I could. Didn't want to buy the cheapest, but I wanted to buy good and I wanted to buy, and I get 3,000 bucks, you know, but that's what it cost me. But it, it lasted until then, 19 years. Now, 19 years, you say, well, that is good. Yes, that's good. That's what God is saying he will do is he will keep your fruit from falling prematurely to the ground. But you know what? I told you, right? You heard me. There were two of them. This is we're now 25 years in. This house is 25 years old. Guess what? That hot water heater is 25 years old, and this still make. I, I had a good, good hot shower several of them this week. You know, shaved and you know, all hot, hot water. Uh, the, that other air conditioner, it's 
25 years old, and guess what? It still had the heat running this morning. It's still working. You know, I, I don't know what you call that, but I call that your fruit not falling prematurely to the ground. And maybe you've not even realized that. Maybe you've never even thought about that. But when God says, I'll make those kinds of things last longer and not fall prematurely and, and, and make sure those things stretch out, when, when God does that for you, that, that is one of the amazing blessings. And that happens for people who are in partnership with him. And if you're not noticing that, then pay attention because it's there. So let me take you to the fourth blessing, just real quick. And this fourth blessing is being obviously blessed because we are blessed, but I, I, I think we're spoiled and we forget how obviously blessed we are. It's not just being blessed. It's so obvious. Wake up. It's so obvious. It, it, this is verse 12, the very next verse in chapter, chapter 3 of Malachi. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, here's something you need to remember. The Israelites at this time, just like the Israelites today, they are surrounded by nations that don't like them. Most of them are their enemies. They don't believe in their God. They don't believe in their God as it even, even exists. They hate them. They want to kill them. They want to destroy them. Just like today, back in those days, when God was telling them this, here's what God was saying. He's saying these people that live around you, that your enemies, even they are going to have to say, wow, Israel is blessed. These people that hate you and they hate me, these people that don't even believe I exist, God is telling Israel, they are even going to have to say, wow, they are blessed. You are going to be so obviously blessed, even your enemies are going to have to say and admit that you're blessed. That's what God is saying here. Now, that's, that's no little thing. But here's, here's the whole deal with God. You know, the, the, the Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that God's a jealous God. You know, that's one of the reasons he likes for us to worship him, like we've done already in this service. We're going to do it one more time, okay? So don't miss your, if you missed, if you kind of checked out on us and you were just singing the words, make sure this last time you take advantage of that this Thanksgiving week, okay? But God likes to be praised. And he gets no glory when you act depressed, when you act like your life is a big mess, he gets no glory out of that. What glory does that bring to God? Yeah, I'm a Christian and everything is crap in my life. You know, what, what glory does that bring to God? You know, even Je you know, when Jesus talked about when you fast, you know, and, and, and you, you know, why do people fast? People fast because they've got problems, okay? And, and a lot of us, we don't even know what fasting is, okay? But if you get into a bad enough situation where you're, you're praying and fasting, ask me if you don't know so I can tell you, okay? Uh, I don't have time to preach it right now. But we get into a situation that's really bad. We start fasting and praying because we've got bad problems. But what did Jesus say? He says, even when you're fasting, don't go around looking like you're fasting. Wash your face. Wear some cologne, guys. Look like, you, look like you're a child of the king. That's what he's saying. You're, you're not bringing any glory to God if you act like you haven't got anything going in your life. You need to realize, you need to recognize, and you need to speak up and say, I serve the most high God. So let me speak up this morning, okay? I've got the microphone, you know? I got the mic, so let me speak up this morning. I've told you, do this real quick, as quick as I can. I told you, you know, that a couple of those things happened in the same year. August of 2010, to August of 2011, in a span of about a year, maybe a little over a year, because according to the dates there in August, in a span of about a year though, August 2010 to August 2011, you know, when we planted this church, 
I was working three part-time jobs as well as doing this, okay? And I, and I tell you that because God was providing. I mean, and I was doing stuff. I didn't have to dig any ditches. I was doing stuff that, that, that I was blessed to know how to do because of my dad having, uh, being a CPA and working with him. So I, I was even blessed in that. But, but, you know, coming out of that, and, and, uh, and, and there, was, there was someone who really brought, they brought the tithe into the storehouse. And one of the things they did for, they wanted the church to have a full-time pastor. And so they had, had gotten a great blessing, and so they brought the tithe into the storehouse. And they said, that's one of the things they would like to see happen, is they would like to see me not work all those, you know, little part-time jobs here and here and here to try and make it. And so that that happened. And so, you know, that, that didn't mean that all of our financial woes were taken care of. Can I get a little bit of an amen there? Y'all understand what I'm talking about, right? Doesn't mean that everything is, is peachy keen and all that. But no, so in 2010, you know, we, we didn't have everything set just like we needed to because we were still working on this thing still a lot in a lot of ways. But in that 12-month period, I already told you, we had an air conditioner go out, $3,000. We had to put a roof on. I don't even remember how much we paid for the roof, but even somebody at 2911 helped me with, they were able to do it a little cheaper than someone else. You know, we had to put a roof on. We had, uh, we had some family that were going to be moving into our house, and so we had to, had to make some additions and, and had to do some remodeling. We spent over $2,000 in one month during that period of time. And then, I think it was then at the end of that, I think in August 2011, is when Davis van went out and we had to buy a new van. All of, this, all of this happened, boom, 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 boom. And listen, you budget. You budget for emergencies, right? But you budget for one of those things. You don't budget for four in a year, you know? I mean, it's like, whoa, God, you know, and all of this is how, how in the world? But you know what? We didn't ask that question. It wasn't until after the fact that we looked back and looked at each other and we said, how did we do that? How did we do that? How, how did we buy a, a new air conditioner and put, pay for a roof and pay for this remodeling to be done, the stuff I couldn't do myself, and buy a van? How did we do all that in one year on top of just our regular stuff? Because we weren't budgeted for four big items like that in one year. And you know what? Here's the answer is we didn't do it. We did it. It wasn't just these two people. It was these two people in partnership with the God who sits on the throne of this universe who said, if you will let me partner with you in your garden, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and I will, I, I will, I will cause your fruit to not fall too early and you will be so stinking blessed that even your enemies will say you are blessed. That's how that happened. Amen. Yes, give God a hand of praise. Join me if you will. But there's... You are so blessed. And, and some, some, this week, this is Thanksgiving. Please stop and back up and just look at some of those. And it, you, you might need to get your calendar out. Just look back. See, see, oh yeah, that's when I had that surgery, which was on top of this and was on. Get your checkbook out or, or, or you know, go online to your online bank and, what, and look back and think. And ask somebody, like I, I asked Jamie, I asked, I asked Bradley, I asked David, we, we're thinking about all these things this week and about how blessed we've been. You need to do this this week. But here, I've, I've, got, a couple of, I've got a couple of dares for you just before we come to the front, okay? I've got a couple of dares for you. One of them, this is Thanksgiving. So I dare you to do something. I dare you to add up the amount of money you're going to spend on Thanksgiving dinner this week. I dare you to add that up and then I dare you to write a check or go buy a gift card or go actually buy the meal 
and take it to someone who won't have a nice Thanksgiving without you helping. Because you know what? Most of us in this room, I don't know how much you're going to spend on Thanksgiving, but even, even if you're going to spend $100, and I mean, if you want to cook it yourself, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm not the cook, but you know, I don't normally spend $100 at the grocery store, but I know I'm not the one that goes and gets the most of the stuff. But if you spend, there's, most of us in this room could write another check for $100 and say, God, thank you, because I'm blessed, I want to bless somebody else. If you don't know somebody to bless, ask me, okay? Ask me, because I can tell you, I dare you to add it up and to let, make sure somebody else has as good a Thanksgiving dinner as you have. I dare you to do that and to do it because you have been blessed. Here's the second dare for you. Right on the heels of Thanksgiving is what? Christmas. Last Sunday night, uh, for those of you who couldn't be here, we kicked off this uh, uh, Christmas toy project, Blessing, uh, Kentucky Blessing, Kentucky Christmas Blessing Toy Drive. Toys are due next Sunday. Uh, you already see some people have brought theirs in. Uh, there, and you can, you can get more information back there or ask me. I, I, I'll, I'll answer a lot of questions. This is Larry and Linda Woodson. They started this. This is their 23rd year. They go into a different community in the Appalachian Mountains every year. This is the 23rd year. They started just loading everything they could in the trunk of their car, driving up somewhere, and just stopping and giving out presents. And now it's a huge, big ordeal. This, week, this year they're going into Clay County, Kentucky, the poorest county in Kentucky. New York Times says it's the hardest country to live in. Uh, I'm sorry, county. The hardest county to live in because of life expectancy, because of the job situation. Um, just lots of stuff. That, that's where they're going this year. And every year they go, because they go into a different community every year. This is not like, hey, we're coming, we'll be back next year with more toys. No, this is one time, one shot. Every year they go, some kids stand in line for hours and still go home without a toy because they run out of toys before, before the kids get there. And so that, that's why we've chosen to partner with them this year. So here's my dare for you. I dare you, if you got kids in your family that you buy for, a child or a grandchild, I dare you, add up how much you spend on the average child in your family, and I dare you to go to Kmart, Walmart. Kmart's got a big sale on right now, you know, going out of business. Or somebody was telling me about five and below, whatever that is, you know, that, that great place. I, I dare you. Add up how much you spend on the average child in your family. I dare you to go and spend that much on somebody else's child that won't have Christmas in Clay County, in Kentucky this year unless you do it. Because there's going to be kids. Every year, he said, he doesn't have enough toys. That means there's going to be a kid this year that may have your name on them. They may be the, they may be the kid that you're buying. For because if you, whether you buy or don't buy, that's one more kid. I dare you. I dare you to do it. Add up how much you spend and, and go spend that. And you know what? Really, if you think about it, if you couldn't spend that much for one more kid, you're probably overspending for the ones you're spending for right now. And maybe we need to be doing a little bit better job of appreciating the fruit that we already have. I dare you. I dare you today. So can I ask you to do something? Would you join me at the front, please? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable.
Whatever your need is today, this prayer team wants to pray with you about it. So please, if you're sick, I didn't say a thing about being sick. Please, we want to pray with you anyway, okay? So whatever your need is. Can I ask everybody to step, maybe one more step in? Yeah. Do y'all know I'm going to say that if y'all don't come? I did a little closer. <laughs> so y'all wait for me to ask. Um, but here's what I really want to pray over you this morning too, okay? And I am praying that some of you step forward and say, I want that in my life. You see, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are stinking blessed. You are spoiled blessed. You are so blessed, you forget you're blessed. I mean, when, when, when you forget your blessings, then you, you're way blessed. When you can't, you are blessed. But now I want to pray that you'll become a blessing. Don't just be blessed, but be a blessing to somebody. You know, that, that, that scripture uh, I brought to you last week, Psalm 23, verse 4, I believe it was, where, where David says, my cup overflows. And so why would, you know, God's not a wasteful God. Why would God do that? You know, he pours it in and it overflows, and so the people around me, they get some, right? And, you know, here, here's your thing, is you can either be the people on the outside that just get the stuff that bounces off somebody else because they've got so much more that they've been blessed by God with, or you can be the one that it's bouncing off of. See, I want to pray that I got a church full of people that it's bouncing off of. God's just blessing us so much that we're looking so, and not, not, not so we can walk around with it, but so that we can find somebody else that needs some. God, keep blessing. We've got people like that. But I want all of you to be that way. And, and, and if that's who you are, I want to pray that, that, that God just enables you to do even more this year and next year and next year and next year. And you know that God does that. That's what he does is he pours it into the places that he knows it's going to get out. He doesn't pour it into the places that he knows it's going to get consumed and used up and the harvest ends. He pours it in the places that he knows is going to be a harvest that's going to bless more and more people and he keeps pouring in and pouring in. See, I want to pray with you that you aren't just blessed. I want to pray with you that you become the blessing. Would you let us pray with you of that? Would you let us join hands with you and agree that God's going to do that? And even if it's already begun, that it just, it just accelerates this next year? Come on, let's, let's pray together.